Welcome to Changing the Way People Feel About Insurance with FWD. My name's Fiona Mattesini, and in this episode, we get to hear from David Broom, FWD's Group Chief Officer for New Business Models. Over the next 20 minutes or so, you can hear David's thoughts on using e-commerce channels to tap into the millennial trend of hyper-brand loyalty. I believe they are brand loyal, but they expect brands to behave the way they say they will and basically to deliver on promises. We discuss the impact of Asia's leapfrog into mobile. You see this technological shift where it's almost leapfrogged from an entire period of time that we saw within Europe. And why David still drops in on FWD customer service calls. I still do this to this day. I will jump on the lines with my call centre operators just to hear how customers are interacting. And if you hear frustration in people's voices, that in itself just makes you want to do things better. You know, people trust us. We need to be there at their time of need. And often at their time of need, it's a critical moment in their lives. Let's welcome David into the pod. David, firstly, thank you so much for coming into the podcast. It's great to have you with us. And having had quite a few different discussions now with several members of FWD, I think you're the missing link I've been looking for. Tell us about your role at FWD. Fiona, first of all, thanks very much for having me. And yes, uh, missing link, that's a first, but uh, (laughs) let me try and explain to you what, what my role is and where I fit into the bigger picture. So essentially, I lead and am responsible for building and growing our e-commerce businesses across the FWD group. That covers a number of different things, whether it be our direct-to-consumer websites, where basically any consumer can come online, find our website, fwd.com or any of the country variants, and simply and easily buy products directly. Mm -hmm. The second part is if we um, do multi-channel, where it'll be a mixture between both digital and physical. So sometimes we will have a direct link from our websites into a telecenter operations and sometimes even into our tied agents and our advisors. Mm-hmm. And last but not least is when we work with ecosystem partners. So we vertically integrate our insurance solutions into their customer portals to ensure that we're providing relevant insurance into what their customers would expect or want to see. Yeah. So we've got a number of different partners that we work with in that space. Yeah. And with the ecosystem partners, in many ways, is this reflecting the overarching customer trend towards self-servicing? Yes, absolutely. So customer expectations have changed significantly over the past decade, and their behavior continues to change at an exponential rate. We've seen how digitalization has changed the customer experience across industries like travel, retail, and FNB. And now we're increasingly seeing consumers expect the same self-servicing functionality within financial services. Yeah, because this is also how you were built, right? You guys had already anticipated this direction of travel, so you designed the business to facilitate that. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes back down to our key vision, which is change the way people feel about insurance. And actually, the customer's at the heart of all that we do. And we've designed the business in order to be able to facilitate the customer needs across whatever journey they may want to deal with us, Mm. whether that be a digital one or a physical one. So a lot of the work has gone in and now we're just taking that even further forward as the world has changed somewhat in the last year and more people expect more digitalized services. 
Very, very good point. In what ways did COVID change the model? Or again, were you already geared up for it because this is how the model was designed? So we were very well geared up for COVID. And that does show in in how we've managed to continue to service our customers throughout 2020. Many people now have, by necessity, have needed to come online to be able to manage their daily needs. And so we've been there, we're in a great position, but of course we've exponentially grown this part of the business over the last year as more and more consumers have looked for that as an option. Yeah, I think that's really interesting what you were saying because I think COVID's almost been a process of educating certain customer segments as well. For example, someone like my dad, who might not be comfortable going online to buy insurance, suddenly that was enforced and with FWD would have been shown how how easy that was to buy. So speaking of your partnerships, one of the things that I've noticed is that FWD seems to have a really good eye or ear for synergistic partners. Can you tell me a little bit more about these partner relationships? We focus first and foremost on finding digitally enabled partners who have the same ethos of putting the customer at the heart of what they do, similar to Mm -hmm. us. There are numerous examples now of these different partners that we work with, whether it be Traveloka through um, Indonesia and more recently into Vietnam, Thailand and exploring some other markets as well, where we vertically integrate our Mm -hmm. insurance offerings to help protect their customers as they travel or as they do other kind of adventure activities. We have Tiki in Vietnam, one of the leading online retailers. We were the first to launch a simplified cancer insurance proposition with them, direct on their platform for the benefit of their customers. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, as an example, we have Razer, a gaming company based out of Singapore, but are now global. And it's been a really interesting company to partner with because they have hyper brand loyal customers, so much so that some of their customers who are all of the younger generation even get tattoos of their logo on their bodies. So very, very loyal customers. Wow. That has to be the marketer's dream, right? To get a customer tattooing your logo on their body. That has to be like the ultimate sort of sign of a cult brand, I guess. That's astonishing. Absolutely. And to have that kind of trust from your customers is an amazing space to be. And especially as more and more people say that the younger digital age aren't brand loyal. Actually, I don't believe that's the case. I believe they are brand loyal, but they expect brands to behave the way they say they will and basically to deliver on promises. And that is exactly what Raze has done. And that's exactly what FWD do. So together, we're looking to tap into that base and, and work together to provide them with the right solutions. Yeah, really nice. And I guess as well, the fact that Razor or brands like Razor and the others that you've mentioned, they've got such strong customer loyalty. It's a nice partnership because FWD also has strong customer loyalty. So you're kind of tapping into each other's brand equity, which is really interesting and obviously is working. So I can hear from your accent that you're an Aussie. I'm obviously from the UK. So both of us are very aware of the insurance aggregator or price comparison website model that's doing so well in our home markets. And obviously, in the US as well. How do you see this play out in Asia? It's a very good question. And I've fortunately, even with an Australian accent, I did spend quite a bit of time in the UK through the rise of the aggregators in the UK. And in Asia at the moment, it's in a very similar position as to what that was in year two or year three, where we've seen aggregators rise and rise very quickly, predominantly on the general insurance side, on the simplified or commoditized products such as travel insurance, but then expanding out into car insurance and home insurance. 
course. Mm. But it then very quickly moves towards life propositions. And actually, I think here in Asia, things are moving even more rapidly than what happened in the UK and in Australia. So we're mm-hmm. seeing more people jump online now to be able to explore, to compare, to get a good price before they finally buy. And overall, it's not just about the price. These sites give people the opportunity to really explore benefits and features in a simplified manner. So the whole value piece comes into play significantly. So I'm seeing this grow Mm. more and more from market to market, obviously with Singapore and Hong Kong being kind of at the forefront, but other markets like Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam, really not far behind. That's really interesting. And do you feel like it's a threat to incumbent players like FWD, for example? No, not at all. I see that for FWD in particular, because of the way that we've built our IT systems with the ability to do simple integrations, we see these guys as an extension of our distribution strategy and they will continue to be partners. And ultimately, when you talk price, value, customer experience, we believe that that's what will set us apart. And as long as we work with multiple digital players, customers will get the end benefit of that. Mm. Yeah. And I guess a similar question, what about agents? I mean, do these new models leave them redundant? It's an interesting one because there was a lot of conversations that I had about that at my time when I was in the UK with people who were quite concerned that this would eat into their existing business. But the reality is that hasn't really eventuated What we see is that people who are buying online more often than not are of a different demographic Mm. who are looking for a simpler product at a lower price point. And actually, this is helping to close that insurance gap and also create a pipeline of future customers for when they do need more advanced or specialised advice. So I myself, Mm. I'm kind of Mr. E-commerce here at (laughs) NFWD, and even I bought my latest policy through a financial advisor, one of FWD's advisors, of course, because I needed to have multiple things considered, which getting just that little bit of external advice helped. So I think that both of these different channels will appeal to different consumers. And I think that actually the best way to to look at this is how can we ensure that both work together for the better of all customers? Mm. And that... see playing out here at FWD. That's really interesting because I'm thinking about it, I do quite happily buy my car insurance or renew it each year online. But when it comes to life insurance, I think I'd want to speak to an agent. So I guess as a human being, what you've said makes total sense. And actually, what's really lovely is this dovetails into what someone like Benayek was saying on his podcast, where he was talking about the fact that where he wants to position FWD agents is as financial experts and advisors. These aren't guys and women doing sales-driven part-time jobs. These are people who are experts in their field. And just out of interest, did you tell them that you were an FWD member of staff? Did they know that before you spoke to them? (laughs) When I first started, I didn't. And actually, I took my wife along with me. Interestingly, when the meeting had finished, my, my lovely wife did say just how fantastic this person was and how much more they knew than me. And why didn't I know more given I'd been in the industry for so long? So I think that there is there are very much different different needs. And I think as Binayak rightly pointed out, having those people who spend their entire lives devoted to ensure that consumers are getting the best at the right point in their lives, that's a specialised skill. Mm. And whilst the digital space will continue to help people at earlier stages with more commoditised, even life products, when things start to get a little bit more difficult or when someone's financial needs needs broader consideration, then yeah, that's how I see these two channels working together, one as a pipeline for the other. Makes sense. Out of interest, what were you doing in the UK? 
And where were you in the UK? So I was living in London. I went over there for what was supposed to be a one-year secondment with another insurance company. That one year turned into eight years where I also met my <laughs> lovely wife and enjoyed every second of it. But working in insurance, doing multiple roles, predominantly covering marketing, sales, digital and customer. Right. Well, I always say London, best city in the world. So we, we kept you for eight years. That's not bad. Is, is, your wife, is your wife British as well? Actually, my wife is originally from India, um, but right. she's lived all over the world. But I met her in London and we've got a house nice. full in London. And one day we, we consider London home now over Australia or India. So one day really? I think we'll end up back there. Yes. Right. Well, then we'll go out for dinner, all of us, and that'll be great. How does the Asian market compare with other markets? Asian market has been absolutely wonderful to come and work in because having gone through the European financial crisis when in London, where a lot of businesses were looking to scale back and to reduce cost, Asia has been a, a land of growth. Mm. Interestingly, it's not just the opportunity that's here, but the way in which Asia is changing on a on a macro demographic basis, but also from a digitalization basis. So having traveled around most of Asia now in this role, I've seen places and consumers who don't have laptops and never have had a laptop, but have jumped an entire generation into smartphones and have the most up-to-date iPhones, a better iPhone than what I've got. <laughs> so you see this technological shift where it's almost leapfrogged from an entire period of time that we saw within Europe. Yeah. And it's very, very interesting to see as more and more move towards mobile. We talk about a country like Indonesia, and I was talking to somebody about Gojek, I forget why, but one of the things we were discussing is the fact that a lot of Gojek drivers will use their smartphones as payment. And for a lot of people, their mobile screen, it's not just their main screen, it's their only screen. And it's not just their social media and their email, it's the basis of their work and how they get paid. And I think you're so right, this is so interesting, the whole leapfrog from desktop and laptop to not even to tablet, going straight to mobile, which is fascinating. So what is the FWD approach or what is the FWD difference in terms of what you're doing now and what would you attribute this success to? I think the first thing is that if we look historically at the way in which digitalization and e-commerce has worked in insurance, many people have made the mistake and many organizations have made the mistake of taking what has been a traditional product that was meant to be sold with advice, put it online, and then basically said, it hasn't sold, so therefore the channel doesn't work. The reality is the proposition at its core needs to be different. And this comes back to what we were discussing previously around products that need advice versus more simplified or commoditized products that can be bought online. And so how do we simplify the product into something that's understandable? Do customers who are buying online need a critical illness policy that covers 180 illnesses of which 160 of them you've never heard of before and have a very, very low incidence rate? Or yeah. do you streamline it right down into a cancer insurance proposition or a heart attack insurance proposition or a stroke insurance proposition, which people understand and also 
you can help remove a lot of the offline needs for offline medicals. So now all of a sudden the proposition suits the channel. It also means you can really bring down the contracts. I've seen some insurance contracts which are 100 pages plus. The reality is no one's going to read 100 pages worth of an insurance contract online by themselves. In these situations where you've got products that are complex, you do need someone to help you through, to talk you through where things are at. And whilst at FWD we have actually made leaps and bounds in simplifying contracts across all channels, in the digital space it needs to be even more simplified. And people need to understand what they're buying, what they're covered for, very simply, easily, online in a matter of minutes. So we've done that. We've made sure that each of our propositions do have USPs that are understandable, but also it is very much about the FWD brand and what it is that it stands for. And to be honest with you, it's the reason I joined. As I mentioned, I used to work for a big insurer in the UK. I left them after a very strong career based purely on the vision of FWD, which was change the way people feel about insurance. Mm. I believe in what we're doing here. The brand is the difference. Yeah, yeah, and I can hear that. So, David, you've got a particularly interesting background. You've worked in insurance, as you say, for a while, 14 years, I think it is. You told me prior to that you spent some time at KPMG. But what's particularly interesting about your story is your experience as an entrepreneur. So can you talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So (laughs) it's going back a little bit of time now, but some years ago, my brother and I over Christmas decided that we would start our own business. And as you mentioned at that stage, I was at KPMG. My brother was an electrician and we decided to create a new electrical business in Melbourne in Australia, which we called the Power Men. It was a hell of a <laughs> ride and a great learning experience because what we worked out very, very quickly was that within the electrical world, there were two types of customer. First of all, there were your general customers who would come to us directly. Then you would have more of your corporate customers who would manage multiple properties and have multiple needs. And just through a little bit of focus on the customer and ensuring that we treated them both sides with absolute and total respect, with clarity, keeping things simple, and most of all in this industry, keeping things on time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's what made the biggest difference. Telling people you would arrive at 1pm and arriving at 1pm made a big difference. So it was very much just focusing on the customer and tweaking what had been again, in that industry, kind of known as people who weren't reliable. Too many people will look to take shortcuts on things. And actually, if you are very clear about what you're doing, why you're doing it, the price that you have, and you're upfront about that, consumers will be absolutely comfortable. Mm -hmm. And my brother and I, we decided to be a mid-price point player. The service was given like it was a five-star service. There was no compromising on that. But if we had to reduce cost on materials, we'd be very upfront with the consumer about that. And should they wanted to go for more high-end materials and increase the price, they could. So that flexibility can only be gained through transparency. So we were very, very transparent in how we went about things. Yeah, that's refreshing. I'm intrigued because you seem to be hyper-customer-led and it appears to be in your DNA. I wonder whether you're the kind of person who looks at businesses and if they're not customer-led, you get really wound up with it. And I say that because I do. So sometimes it takes one to know one. You just think, oh, it could be so much simpler. Do you think this runs through your DNA or was this learned behaviour as you've gone along or 
I don't know, a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both. So I think it is in my DNA. It's always been that way. But I was very fortunate through different parts of my career to have roles which were very much either customer-facing or customer-focused. And I think that when you... You spend time, and and I still do this to this day, I will jump on the lines with my call centre operators just to hear how customers are interacting. And if you hear frustration Mm -hmm. in people's voices, that in itself just makes you want to do things better. People trust us. We need to be there at their time of need. Mm -hmm. And often at their time of need, it's a critical moment in their lives. So whatever we can do to make that simpler is something that has been learnt over time, but that desire to do it has always been there. Yeah. And I think if there are any FWD customers listening right now, and I'm sure there probably are, they'll be nodding their head and saying thank you. And from me, David, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Fiona. It's been delightful speaking with you. Hope to do it again sometime soon. So that ends our podcast. And if you'd like to find out more about FWD, you can head to the group website, which is fwd.com. My name's Fiona Mattesini. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.